and welcome to Coffee and Catholics, a Catholic women's talk show podcast. I'm Stacy, one of your hosts, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Alicia. I'm Annie. And I'm Lauren. Hello, and welcome to Coffee and Catholics. Today we're going to be talking about accepting God's grace in times of persecution. There's a lot of stories out there nowadays, you know, events are happening where people are coming into the churches and and desecrating churches or stealing tabernacles. We hear about priests in Nigeria being murdered. Even our own Facebook accounts and social media platforms can be places where we feel attacked for being Catholic. And so we're going to just kind of talk a little bit about that today and how do we react to those things? Because I think here in the United States, we are very blessed to not have to deal large, large majority of the time, at least, um, situations or um, instances of persecution that put our lives at risk under a lot of, you know, regimes overseas and whatnot in many countries. Like you were talking about, there are priests who are being killed, there are faithful who are being you know, imprisoned and killed and tortured and all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, I think that what we talk about here today can in general kind of, you know, hopefully if there's anybody in another country who's dealing with that type of oppression or, um, you know, the fear of that type of oppression, they can get something maybe from this, like God can speak through us so that, you know, there can be some hope and some, um, you know, peace given through what we discuss. Um, But as, as, we are living in America. We don't really, we're not really suffering uh, from that. And, and thank goodness. In the same but ways. In the sure, same ways. Yeah. So, you know, I think as you alluded to, Stacey, there's different degrees of, of persecution um, that we can deal with. And I think that's one thing that, that, that first comes to my mind is being able to note, like in our, in our society, especially right now, where we're living in a society where people on kind of both sides of the aisle in some more than others, but get very offended very easily and everything is a persecution and everything is just like an attack and all of this stuff. So I think there is, it is important to be able to distinguish between, you know, somebody who's having a different opinion and voicing that opinion and maybe even being rude about that opinion, that that's not necessarily oppression or an attack or persecution. It's just something, you know, you just disagreeing with that person and maybe things getting, you know, heated. Um, versus somebody, you know, really coming down on you and like, you know, like you're talking about um, people disrupting mass in order to to protest and desecrating the Eucharist and um, vandalizing churches. And so like for me, for instance, like, you know, I haven't, I've gone to mass over the last couple of weeks and, you know, there have been no disruptions in the mass. Um, the, my, our church hasn't been vandalized or anything like that, but we live in a kind of a smaller town where that's not really to be expected nearly as much as in maybe bigger cities. So for like, for me personally, you know, I've, I don't know that it's so much persecution that I've personally experienced. Like, you know, I've seen Facebook posts, <laughs> you know, and so like, and I've seen people say things about Catholics and about just religion in general, like, you know, and the, the one thing I will say is that it's, you know, these are loved ones who are saying very cruel things. And so I still don't think that I'm being personally like persecuted or anything. I guess, I don't know, would it be considered a some form of persecution? I guess, yeah. well, to some degree. 
Yeah, I I have a lot of friends right now that really, I mean, I would almost consider it bullying. I mean, they, mm-hmm. but at the same time, they don't know if they're bullying me, if that makes any sense. Like, they make a lot of these comments on their Facebook about we're going to be the reason why all these people die and they, and we don't care about them and all this other stuff when they have never asked about any of the services that we have for women and children and and the actual catholic social teaching which we did several episodes on we hold every person in the highest regard because they are created by god regardless of their faith race ethnicity or age um whether that is in utero or 150 passing away, you know, they, they have dignity because they are created by God. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think a lot of times bullying is a form of persecution. I feel like this, maybe it's not like the severe, like ethnic persecution that other, you know, like we've said just several times already, like in other countries and things like that, but it is still a form of one group is trying to feel, make another group feel lesser than mm-hmm. because of their beliefs and, and their culture, really. Mm-hmm. I, I think what has been really hard, but also not, is that, like I said, these people are saying these things, and they I don't even think half the time they know that they're talking about people that they're friends with. I've even had friends say, if you don't agree with me, then unfriend me now. I'm like, well... Do you really want me to unfriend you? Because we're actually pretty close. Are you just saying that because you're so upset about this issue right now? Well, yeah, and I think right now people are very upset because of the Supreme Court's decision. And and so I think that's one thing to keep in mind for a lot of people. That's because, like I said, like I have loved ones who have posted very, very mean things. And, like, part of me is, like, you know, they've these people know me intimately. So it's like they know my beliefs. They know that I'm Catholic. They know all of this. And so, like, there's... I can't imagine that there's any way that they don't know that they're talking about me and that I'm seeing these things. And so it hurts. Like, it makes me really sad. But one thing that I've done, like, I've I've been learning to do and that I've applied to this type of situation when, you know, I do feel sad about, about this is just offering that sadness and that heartache up as a prayer for that person yeah. to not just leave it as just like, oh, I'm sad and I just feel bad for myself because it's not going to do anybody any good, me or these other people. You know, to, to always try to treat the situation with love. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the same, and, and as persecution gets more severe, I think that gets harder and harder. You know, mm-hmm. I can say this because I'm sitting in my room by myself and I'm just reading these things online <laughs> and I'm right. like, oh, that's so mean and I'm praying for them. But, you know, like when you're these people at mass and you have people come in and they're yelling and screaming and you have your children with you and yes. you feel worried about, you know, are their safety you know, those types of things, they start getting harder and harder right. to forgive. But I think that's one thing that we have to try to, that I would like to convey through this through this conversation is how important it is to, you know, like do everything that you can in the moment, because obviously it just depends on the person. It depends on where you are in your faith life. It depends on what happens to you. But putting looking at those emotions that you have and say, man, this hurts, man, this makes me angry. And then going, ah, what can I do with that? What can God do with that? And then giving it back to God. You know, we were, you know, we've been told from the very beginning that we're going to be persecuted as Christians. Like that is Mm -hmm. just kind of a given, unfortunately. (laughs) Like, you know, 
for me, it feels like so many times in my life, it just kind of was, you know, things were kind of easy. Um, but I, I recently went to a retreat and one of the, um, one of the guys was, was talking about, he, he's a medical professional and he was talking about, um, his experience during the, the like the, the beginnings of COVID, like all the, all the, you know, the, the shutdowns and everything. And he said at one point, he just said, God, thank you for finding me worthy to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. That just really, really struck me. And that during this time now that when things aren't, when, are, when, we, when we are being struck by other events that are different forms of persecution in our life, whether it is uh, against our, you know, our, our belief system, it's, a, you know, against our, uh, against the, the churches, against, you know, if it's online or, you know, in your own home or even just within um, your personal life. That just has that really struck me. That God, thank you for finding me worthy to be persecuted. Now, that doesn't mean like pure persecution is like necessarily a good thing. Like you shouldn't be, uh, you know, like that God is willing mm-hmm. hardship and trial and and pain in your life. But you know, because that we know that God doesn't wish evil on anybody. Um, but knowing that, I don't know, that just you know that knowing that. We, we know we're going to be persecuted at some point because that is what Christ told us. Like, that when you are persecuted, not if you are persecuted, but when you are persecuted. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of seeing, like, that, that, that we, you know, when, when we go through those times of persecution, that, like, God has found us worthy of that. Well, because, you know, you're mentioning, like, God doesn't will for us. That God has two, the church teaches that God has two different types of will. He has right. permissive will and he has um, perfect will. Perfect will is what he actually wants for us. Right. Permissive will is what he allows for us mm-hmm. for a greater good or for whatever purpose he has in mind. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I, I actually, I love that he said that because, you know, God, Jesus told, tells us, and I can't remember exactly what he said, but Jesus tells us that we should rejoice when we are persecuted in his name mm-hmm. because it means that we have grown that close to God to be able to be separated from the world and what it represents and the, the things that are against him. And we've aligned ourselves more with him. And he wants us. He wants us for himself. That's what we are made for. And so, yeah, I think that that's, that's one thing. I think it's really hard to do, but I think that I, one thing that I've learned, and I know I've said it in a previous podcast, is that there is a type of love, a type of love from God that you can only experience in the midst of pain. And it sounds so contradictory, but I've experienced it personally myself many times and increasingly so. And it is, it is, it's one of those things that like you, you look at and you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with that because I don't want to be in pain. But it is some of the, the sweetest, most just abiding and personal and intimate type of love that I've ever felt. And it's when I have been in the most painful experiences where I felt persecuted by other people around me because of my faith but he's teaching me through that and he's there with me and I know he's there I can I just have this knowing and I have this feeling that he's there and it's absolutely beautiful and there's no other way to have that love and that connection with God well and you know Annie you're talking about 
we're told that we're going to be persecuted. We're told that, you know, we know that we're going to be suffering in Jesus's name. He, they, I mean, it's right there in the in scripture for us to read. God's not hiding it from us. Like this is, you know, um, this is going to happen. And either we can, I, I know it's really easy for us to get caught up in it. You know, when we start going to church and there's police officers outside where there weren't police officers before because there might be a threat where, you know, it's easy to worry about our children and things. And especially, you know, we increasingly hear about gunmen going into public places. And, um, you know, we just recently here in Oklahoma for the Eucharistic revival had a, a huge Eucharistic procession. And there were people that were concerned about having their children there and um, validly so. I mean, there, you know, we just, as we see it, saw the 4th of July parade recently in Chicago and things like that. We can be prepared for spiritual warfare in this person in this persecution that is going to happen but we should also be sure that we don't get caught up in the worry of it all um you know padre pio tells us you know we're and you know i don't have the exact quote in front of me but he talks about how worry is useless because it just takes up the time that god has given us and we shouldn't worry we should just pray and live in the moment uh, of course that was a huge paraphrasing but um but we already know because of the cross because of his crucifixion that god has already won the battle against evil and so even when we feel overwhelmed by all of these events and all these things that are going on in society and not even the things that are directed directly at catholics just all the things in general there's just so much going on and in our personal lives and in our communities and in our countries and in the world, there's just so much. Sometimes it's just even too much to keep up with all of it. There's so much going on. But if we get so wrapped up in the worry and trying to keep up with all of it, we're going to lose focus of the victory that's already been had. But we can still be prepared. I mean, we even are told in Ephesians you know, um, finally draw your strength from the Lord and from his mighty power and put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the tactics of the devil. And of course, it goes on and talks about the breastplate and the sword. And I, it, the Holy Spirit gives us our armor. And so we just have to trust in God that in the times and the moments that are going to count, that the Holy Spirit is going to be there for us to be ready for that moment. And it will be ready better if we're not worrying. You know? yeah, and, and none of this is necessarily new. It may seem new because of, you know, just we've had different times of more peace in our, in our lives. But this, you know, this has been going on from the beginning of time. I mean, you know, I really have been... Um, and I've, I've recently started praying um, the Office of Readings more often than I had been before. And just so, like, in going through the Psalms with that and, like, um, hearing the same ones kind of over and over. it's And then also having done, like, the Bible in a year with Father Mike. But, like, see, you know, seeing that, like, 
the stuff we're going through now and the persecution that we see now, I mean, this this has been on and on and on. And we can, and that's in the Bible. That's what, you know, we, we talk about, like, you know, you, you study history so it doesn't repeat itself or you learn from it, da-da-da. But say what, you know, the Bible is God talking to us through these people of the past and the prayers of his, like, that is his word and him talking to us and telling us through, like, whether it's, whether it's through, um, you know, with the Psalms, like, these different pleas of persecution. There's so many prayers in there of uh, the persecuted Israelites. And how relevant is that today, too? Like, you you know, it, it's, you know, changed some of the names a little bit, but, <laughs> um, but it's, there's just this whole beautiful new meaning to it when you apply it when you when you pray those um along with the whole church like i i have really really um appreciated that like the office of reading it being or not the not the office of readings that was called liturgy of the hours liturgy of the hours whatever <laughs> the office of readings is part of it um, i get them all mixed up but um i'm not doing all of the different ones uh but just we've been i've been praying morning and evening prayer um but just really diving more deeply into the Psalms, which I hadn't really done before, but knowing that that is the prayer of the people, like that is the prayer of the church of the people and that people, not just, not just, uh, you know, religious, um, you know, those, you know, like nuns and monks and, you know, are praying this, but like the lay, you know, us lay people as well, like so many all over the world are praying this, these Psalms together and or these other the other readings in there and these different prayers together for the persecuted church, um, and I found that really um, just beautiful um, in that um, that Catholic that universal aspect of it. Well, you made me think about how so many of the psalms they start with praising God, mm-hmm. if not all of them. I don't remember. I've, got, I've been going through the yeah. psalms for a while now. Um, but a, a good chunk of them start with praising God first. And it reminds me of um, and the Israelites when they were being um, kind of put into their their tribes, right? Well, whenever they would, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, I might be giving the context wrong, but um, whenever they would set out from one camp to the other as they were traveling on to the promised land, Judah would always go up first. Mm-hmm. And Judah means praise God. It's a correct mm-hmm. praise God. Mm-hmm. And so it's this reminder that whenever we do anything, that we should be praising God first, and that includes persecution. Mm-hmm. That, we, that 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 is what we offer up. Is what what did you say? He said again. Thank you, God, for finding me worthy to be persecuted. to be persecuted. And so it's not so much about like the persecution is good in and of itself. It's that thank you, God, mm-hmm. for finding me worthy to be so close to you that I would be separated from the values of the world. And I, and they would not understand where I'm coming from. And so, and, and this, and it reminds me of, I went to the Eucharistic procession here in Oklahoma City and it was, oh my gosh, beautiful. One of the most beautiful things I've ever been a part of. I <laughs> and I was so on sad. Facebook. I know, I was so no. sad for those who couldn't <laughs> come. I feel we bad. For, I know, I feel bad for saying it out loud because I know there's so many people, y'all included, who didn't get to go and y'all are so disappointed about it. Yep. But it was just the, the, but in, anyways, apart from the, the beauty of, um, of it and whatnot, because I could talk about that for a while. But one of the things that I found interesting is as we're walking through the city, um, 
there were a couple of people who went by. Like one one gentleman went by and he's blaring his music out the windows and you know just watching us. And there's um, and as as he went by, you know, I said a prayer for him. And you know, I, I said a prayer for everybody. There are a couple of people who like got out of their cars and they got down on their knees and waited for the procession oh, to pass. Good. It was absolutely gorgeous. But there was one house in particular that I remember. And it was two, two men, probably they had to have been in their 20s. And there was a little boy, I believe, probably a five, six-year-old playing out in the front yard. And as we were walking up, I was walking with a friend and I kind of nudged her and I was like, we need to pray for them. And she asked why. And they had, I'd never actually seen the symbol itself, but it was clearly an occultic type, I don't know if that's the right word, an occult type symbol, uh, like witchcraft. And it was a big black banner that they had out on their front porch, and it was round. The, the symbol was round. It had a bunch of symbols in the inside and whatnot, but very clearly had to do with something like in the occult. And they were in the front porch, and one guy was recording us, and they were like looking at each other and laughing and stuff. And so, but I heard the people around me, and everybody was like, you know, like some people I heard them say, and like, you know, St. Michael prayer. and um, other people were kind of like nudging each other and just saying something about them kind of, you know, like, oh, well, look at them. And it just made me think that like, as we're going through persecution, talking about like offering it up for those souls, how often we, we experience some type of small or large persecution and we get angry and maybe justly so, but we get angry about that and we sit in that anger and then we judge them. And we think that we're doing something good, or we think that we're doing the right thing, or we just don't even think that we're doing anything other than we're just in the moment and we're in our heads and we're judging that other person. What good is that doing? And so it made me think how I don't want to think of this as, oh, well, look at them. Now I get to, you know, judge them and like, you know, look what they did. So now this is how I get back at them. How I want to get back at them is by loving them. And they just, they don't know it but they just got on my radar to be prayed for. They are now on my prayer list and I pray for them whenever I think about them, that they don't know it, but God is working in their souls and he is trying to reach them and he has another person out there. And hopefully out of that procession has many, many, many people out there who are praying for them and that's going to reach their souls one day and it's gonna turn them away from the devil and it's gonna turn them toward God. Then they don't know that. They didn't know that they put us hit themselves on our radar. <laughs> you know, like that's what I want to do when, and I want, I would hope that the whole church does when they experience persecution. Well, and that's like, you just talking about that, I'm just thinking about you guys walking along the street, carrying the monstrance in front of this procession. And at the same time, I'm, I'm listening to your story and having this visual of you guys walking down the street carrying the monstrance. I'm also thinking about Jesus carrying his cross up to Calvary. And the people who are spitting at him and making fun of him and throwing things at him. And he doesn't have a hateful thought towards any of them. And even on the cross, after he'd been tortured, true persecution for a crime he didn't commit, was tortured and bullied and made fun of and then nailed to a cross to die. And one one of his last words was, forgive them. They know not what they do. Just came to me as you were talking about you saw them. And while you also saw other people judging them, 
your reaction, which we've talked a lot about reactions this year too, wasn't to judge like some of the others around you. It was to pray for them. You didn't react, you responded. Yeah. That's the difference well, that we talked about. Well, too. and I will say it's not because I did it. I like I, I made the choice, yes. but God has worked in yes. me to put that in my mind, to put that in my heart. And so, like, I, I want to make it clear, like, uh, <laughs> yeah, this not, is this I'm is not, me saying yes uh, to God, but it is God work. Yeah. It is a grace filled thing. I think. But I just thought that I just wanted to make that like. Yeah. I saw those two parallels, not not calling you Jesus, yeah. but like Jesus was present and his presence, yeah. you know, that, that's what this is all about. Like Jesus has has fought this fight already. He is already one. So when people like, you know, our friends are saying mean things because they have different beliefs than us and words hurt, but Jesus probably was a little sad. I mean, he probably was hurt. (laughs) Words hurt. Actions hurt. These things hurt us. But we have a choice on how we respond to them. We We can react angrily. We can sit in our anger. Or we can start a seed of forgiveness. Sometimes it's not very easy to forgive right away. And that's okay. I, we are not Jesus. That's that's the other thing. It, like Jesus was perfect, and we are not yeah. perfect. And um, so, but to have that, even if we, in our minds, say, "I want to forgive this person someday," that's a start. Mm-hmm. Like you can you can be hurt, but start that process of healing, yeah. and. And that, and then that, and that journey. Hopefully, that will be a example to others around you. You're living your life in this journey of healing, this journey of forgiveness, this journey of not worrying about all the horrible things that can happen. Being ready for them. I mean, there's things that are happening. Yes, police officers outside of churches is not what we want, but is it? unfortunately necessary precaution in some areas right now um you know being prepared is different than worrying and going mulling over all the horrible things that could happen mm-hmm. um we we have to live in a level of trust and that god's timing is not our timing god's yeah, like Alicia said earlier, there's two different types of will. Things he doesn't will them to happen, but sometimes things happen that he's going to use to work in another direction. And so, God's already won this battle. I do think it was a really important distinction to make, um, Alicia, that like this is not you're doing, but God's doing, mm-hmm. because um, that's how you get. I don't know, get through is probably not the right word for get through persecution, but you know, how you endure, how we are able to endure persecution through God's grace. And that like, that's what we're talking about. It's like, it's not us at all. There's no way that on our own that we can do any of this. And like, and we could try, like we can say that, Oh yeah, I'm doing this. I'm so good. Mm -hmm. But it's until you, release that you're going to be tied down well lauren usually calls it the supernatural grace that we can't have it ourselves god gives it to us and 
Right. Um, like we, there are things that we are incapable of doing. Right? Really, we're incapable of doing anything on our own. <laughs> but there are some very, very hard things that there's just no way. Mm-hmm. There's just no way us as fallen human beings can do on our own. Mm-hmm. It's only through God's grace and mercy that we are capable of doing them. Yeah. And, and how Alicia responded through God's grace, like not uh, most of us would not do that. <laughs> most of us are not at a place that that is our response. And um, I was given a, a piece of advice during confession one time uh, from the priest. I guess advice is it like or instruction or like guidance? I guess would be the word. And I wasn't, you know. Um, but it was, you know, I specifically was talking. Uh, you know, I was I was having a really tough time with um, with uh, with with my prayer life and like finding time to pray and like I was just really just it was a kind of a very dry time for me in this and um, the priest said maybe just start with the prayer of God grant me the desire to pray so if you're struggling and I know I'm sort of like with responding in those in a way that is um through God's grace like is of forgiveness or of of love to others who are persecuting you maybe the prayer just needs to start with not not God for help, help you know help me to forgive them or help me to but God grant me the desire to forgive God grant me the desire to pray for these people. God grant me the desire to respond the way you want me to respond. Yeah. Um, well, and I love that you said that because I think that is a, a key thing is to always bring God into the mix that, you know, like you were talking about, like, you know, maybe you're not at a place where you are willing to forgive that person right now because the emotions are so strong. So, even though forgiveness is a choice not based upon feelings, like you just can't get it out. You can't say it in your head yet even, mm-hmm. you know, because that's one thing I've learned is like when I can't say it out loud, I say it in my head first. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not even to that point saying, God, I don't want to forgive this beast, being perfectly honest, I don't mm-hmm. want to forgive this person. I have no desire. They don't deserve it. Nothing like that. But I know that you will this. And only because of that, I don't understand it, but only because of that, help me to forgive this person. Give me the grace to forgive this person because you want that. And then God will slowly start working in your heart to help you to understand more. Um, and it and could it, also be like bits and pieces of it. Like, you know, you know, not forgiving entirely, but like grant me the grace to forgive this part. Mm-hmm. And then just like working it up. Yeah. Um, God will meet you where you're at. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think For another, sure. another thing to do, like just y'all talking made me think about this is that when we are persecuted, it's not just us being persecuted. It's Jesus being persecuted again. That not only, you know, like, like we've been talking about, like the world, you know, people in society on Facebook or, you know, on any kind of social media in your own personal lives out there, you know, nationally, you know, or whatever, saying, you know, I hate religion, I hate Jesus, you know, there's, God isn't real, all this stuff or whatever. Like they're, they're attacking him personally and him directly. But then when they're saying mean things about you or they're wanting to cause physical violence against you, you're not only being persecuted, Jesus is being persecuted again through you. So not only is he there with you in your persecution, helping you through it, if you allow his grace to to be there for you, 
he's also allowing himself to be, his heart to be hurt. I mean, like, um, I've just recently learned a bit more about Jesus revealing his sacred heart to St. Margaret Mary and about how he showed his heart to Mary, uh, to Margaret Mary, and to her it looked like a furnace burning because it burned so brightly with the love that Jesus has for all of mankind. But he also talked to her about the heartache and how his heart is absolutely broken because those that he loves don't love him back and, you know, even that they hate him and how much that hurts him, that his heart absolutely does break and he allows that to happen. And so I think just remembering that too or whatever, that it's not just about us being hurt. That, that, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but it helps me. While you guys were talking, I kept thinking, I don't remember if it is St. Therese or if it's St. Teresa of Avila, but one of them, talks, the one of them <laughs> talks about um, you'll know a saint by the joy that mm-hmm. they, ha- they have bearing and with them bearing their suffering. But while I was looking for that quote, I found one from Padre Pio. I know I already mentioned him today. But um, it says, I do not know what will happen to me. I only know one thing for certain, that the Lord will never fall short of his promises. Do not fear. I will make you suffer, but I will also give you the strength to suffer. Jesus tells me continually, I want your soul to be purified and tried by a daily hidden martyrdom. How many times Jesus said to me a little while ago, would you have abandoned me, my son, if I had not crucified you? Oh, my gosh. Who said that? Padre Pio. Oh, of course he did. (laughs) (laughs) My heart. That is beautiful. Because there really is. There's a... There's a beauty. It sounds so weird, but there is a beauty to persecution because of Christ's presence within it. Mm-hmm. Oh. And then there's, and then this one is from um, Saint Therese. It's from, taken from her diary, "The Story of a Soul." I want to suffer and even rejoice for love, for this is my way of scattering flowers. Mm-hmm. Never a flower shall I find, but its petals shall be scattered for you. And all the while I will sing, yes, always sing, even when gathering roses in the midst of thorns. And the longer and sharper the thorns may be, the sweeter shall be my song. Mm. See, and I feel like the, and I, and I hope that, that what I've talked about, how I've talked about that certain kind of love that you experience only in the midst of suffering, mm. I hope that I am experiencing just the tip of the iceberg that is going to lead to that type of love that they're experienced that they experienced you know like that that more full love that they experienced in the midst of suffering and persecution oh that's beautiful so i think what we're trying to say here as a group is that yes the world may feel like it's falling apart whether that's your personal world whether that is or the global world, or anything in between. But it's always been falling apart since Adam and Eve. And Not to take anything away yes. from your suffering, and like not to say that right now, whatever is going on in your life is not important, and right. is not significant, and it is not like traumatizing that it shouldn't be dealt with 
whatever level it needs to be dealt with. Yes. But. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not to beli- not right. to make anybody's suffering seem little and insignificant. That's not what I'm talking not about. The glow. Right. I'm talking about a glow, like a more broader right. sense of persecution, bullying, things like that. For, as as a church, not necessarily individuals, but yes, because yeah, but that God has, you know, Jesus won the spiritual battle that we are in on Calvary on the cross and we are to prepare ourselves for the battle but we're not supposed to worry or go be the one exacerbate situations Um, we speak truth and we let god let god and we find hope in the midst of suffering in christ and we hold on to that hope and don't let go don't let that keep you from living out your faith. Quoted St. Joan, she quotes, I, I was born for this. We were born for these moments that, God, that we are in in this time. Your life has purpose. Your life in this moment has purpose. And you too were born for this. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you. Join us again in two weeks. Until then, May God bless you and may Mary accompany you.